Run! Now I'm only going to say this once, so turn up your audio inputs. Once we're inside the cruiser, we make our way to Sea Deck. That's where their communication center is housed. We bypass security here and here, divert the super battle droids here, then we break the vault code, beat the swarm mine, steal the encryption module, and return home in time for my promotion ceremony to Brigadier General. Are we clear? Good. That's what I like. No questions. D-Squad, fall in line! It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to Send in the Clones! In this episode, a new team of Republic droids are chosen to infiltrate a Separatist ship to acquire an encryption module necessary to understand the enemy transmissions. Led by the small but respected Colonel Gascon, they must succeed where no others can. Hey, Chips, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. Next to me in the dropship on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars, he's the Colonel Gascon to my WAC 47. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hello everyone. We are going to talk about the 97th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology written by Brent Friedman, directed by Danny Keller. It's season 5 episode 10, Secret Weapons. So Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about Secret Weapons before you rewatched it again this week. Oh boy. Uh... <laughs> that so good, this, huh? Yeah, this is one of those arcs that the first time it frustrated me in a crazy way. And I guess it's just because we'd had so many interesting and really kind of what felt like really super important arcs. And then we get this strange side mission droid episode. And I love me some R2, okay? But man, it just felt like, okay, what is going on here? I will say that the second time that I watched the series, I enjoyed this more. And I think it's just because... I relaxed and I allowed myself to just sit and let the story take me on a journey. So yeah, I mean, this is the start of a four episode arc that's really just based around these droids and this Colonel Gascon. So yeah, it's definitely a trip. Yeah, one thing that struck me about this, especially in relation to where the series has been in the last couple of seasons, is that season four in particular gets to some real dark places, especially with Umbara and especially with the slaver arc. And then the first arc of season five that we cover is Onderon, which is maybe a little bit, this is an odd way to put it, to, to think of it in, in ages, but it seems to play to a little bit younger audience. Maybe it's a little bit more simple. Maybe it's dealing with ideas that are a little bit more simple than Umbara and the slaver arc did. And then it goes to the Padawans, and that feels like it's playing to an even younger audience. And then it goes to this one, which feels like it's playing to an even younger audience. So it's almost like as the show goes on, it's playing to an even younger and younger audience. But I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I don't want to put any spoilers out there either. I didn't mind this episode 
at all. I thought there's a lot of fun stuff in it. Unfortunately, one of the fun things that it doesn't have is Master Terra Sanube, because when I saw Master Terra Sanube there at the outset, I was thinking, oh sweet, I'm going to get a Master Terra Sanube episode. I mean, I was hoping. Unfortunately, we don't, but what we do get is two new characters that we meet pretty much immediately. The first is a whack droid, a pit droid called Whack 47, voiced by Ben Diskin who also played Morley the Anaconda snake alien who betrayed Savage, of course, in the Brothers episode. And Wack 47 has a pretty high opinion of himself, but he also seems so incompetent right off the bat, you know, being late, not seeming to understand any protocol in the slightest, that the fact that he was selected for the mission at all made me think that this was somehow a mission that was intended to fail, as if part of the story was going to be that Jedi's wanted this mission to fail for some reason and you know sometimes we get these stories you know not necessarily just in Star Wars but in other stories where the mission is supposed to fail there's a strategic reason the mission has to fail and that's what I thought was we were going to get with Wack because he's so you know out of it and seems he's, his attitude and everything about him it feels like wait a minute if this guy was part of my command I would have probably had him toned down you know reprogrammed down so that was that was my first wrong guess of the episode. But the second you face is Zilkin, Republic strategist, Colonel Meba Gascon. He's played by Steven Stanton, who also played Moralo Ival, Mazameda, and Tarkin. And he also seems to have a high opinion of himself and such apparent confident success in the mission that he's already planning his promotion ceremony for after the mission. So that only made me more sure that the mission was going to fail because they've got this one droid who feels like he's put there to fail and we've got this kind of of comedic Colonel Gascon who's so sure it's going to be a success I was just guessing that there's, there's no way this mission was going to <laughs> succeed Robbie but how did you like the introductions of Whack 47 and Colonel Meba Gascon well that's the funny thing you know it's kind of like I'm not even thinking of it in terms of you know what's the purpose of this mission and all this stuff I'm just kind of rolling my eyes a little bit kind of going uh, you know maybe a little Ahsoka eye roll for you <laughs> Just because I'm like... Gascon has a good eye roll in this episode, Robbie. Did you get that? Yeah. With those eyes on stalks that he's got, he has a massive eye roll. When your eyes are on stalks, you can eye roll <laughs> like a champ. Yeah, it's just it's just so much. You know, It's it just feels like it's very... You know, like, like there's some episodes that start off and you go, okay, let's buckle in. And then there's some episodes that start off and you're like, okay, so this is one of those. You know what I mean? Sure. And it just feels a little, a little overly goofy. You know, with him stumbling around and then, all right, let's get out of here. And then he runs into the wall and you're just kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. this is, uh, this is, uh, now I know what we're in for. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, I hate to say it, but it's like, you can either sit there and kind of battle against it and just be, you know, a little upset the entire time when you're watching it going, oh, this is so goofy or whatever. Or you can just settle in and just try to let the story work. And I found myself trying to make myself just settle in and go, okay, I don't remember everything that happens, but I remember the second time enjoying this arc a little more, so let's just settle in. I mean, I almost feel like it's a rocky start, and I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it feels like this is just going to be a goofy time. Sure. So let's just settle in and accept it and just and just enjoy it. And you know what? I ended up enjoying the episode a lot more, even this time, knowing that, that I wasn't a fan of it the first time, knowing that it worked better for me the second time. And then when WAC 47 comes in and starts, you know, spouting off all this goofy stuff, I'm just like, oh gosh. And then I'm like, nope, I got to remember, just enjoy it. And that, I, I feel like that's what you kind of have to do at the beginning of this episode if you're going to enjoy it. You just have to settle in. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I did, Robbie. I felt like the way it was introduced was actually fairly well handled because it lets you know what sort of tone it's going to be playing with pretty much right from the time that Whack 47 comes in. So it's not like it's a blindsiding thing. And like I said, it's felt like this series has kind of been ramping. I don't know. I don't want to use the word ramping down to this level, but ramping down in terms of maybe the age it's aiming at. You know, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself, but going from the Onderon arc down into the Padawan arc and now down into this arc. I guess I was primed to accept this goofiness right off the bat. And it has some nice touches in this opening. Though I think my favorite one was that I really liked how when Gascon gives his mission briefing, he runs through it about five times faster than we normally see in these briefing <laughs> scenes because he's briefing droids. And droids can take in and process information so much faster than organic beings can. So his briefing feels almost more like an upload than a briefing. And of course, that leads into the scene with Dr. Gubasher who was a Pawan, so I'm immediately a fan of what the scene's going to be. And he's played by D. Bradley Baker, and he's kind of a riff on the whole German mad scientist type deal, similar to what we had with Dr. Nuvo Vindi in the Blue Shadow Virus storyline. And I guess this particular example, because he's on the good guy's side, maybe this is uh, the show kind of riffing on the way the United States took in a lot of Nazi scientists after World War II and Operation Paperclip, you know, and they had these Nazis working on a lot of high-level stuff in the late 40s and onward, including including, of course, most famously, Werner von Braun, who was the chief architect in, in the NASA space program that got America to the moon. Because it was kind of unsettling the way Gubisha really kind of came off like that mad scientist, like he was scary. Like it was almost a little bit sadistic, especially when it came to the memory wipe procedure on BZ. Robbie, how did you like Dr. Gubisha and the way that D. Bradley Baker plays him here? Yeah, it was... Uh it's almost like another level of that first scene. You know, you've got the goofiness, now you've got this almost mad scientist thing, like you said, and it really is just letting you settle into the episode and letting you settle into, okay, so we're going to have some goofy stuff and we're just going to have some fun. And I think it's important for some of those people that have watched The Clone Wars before and been through these seasons, these arcs, there's a reason why these are so lighthearted and they kind of, like you said, there's almost a like a playing to a younger and younger and younger audience. As we know, Lucas is famous for putting in characters like this to lighten the mood. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jar Jar is the best example. Because if you think about the way that episode one works, it's very, very, I wouldn't say dark, but it's very, there's some adult matters being discussed. Sure. And sometimes you got to have that one character that's kind of lighthearted and trying to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit because the rest of what's going on is very dark. Well, this season is pretty dark. It goes to some dark places. So I think that in a lot of ways, as you said, the way that they've kind of crafted this season, it's on purpose. And it's because we're going to be going to some dark places pretty soon. So... Let's just sit back and enjoy the ride. And you know what? That doctor is a lot of fun. It almost reminded me of, uh, like you said, like a mad scientist type thing. But it also kind of reminds you of, I don't know if you were ever a fan of Speed Racer. Right. But that's one of the fun things about some of those episodes where, you know, they're about to go on this big race. And they sit there before the race and talk about all the cool little gadgets they're going to put on the car. It's sort of the same as what happens here with all of these droids. And it's fun to see, you know, R2 being kind of souped up with his rocket boosters and QTKT, you know, getting the weird magnetic thing on the top of it. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. You just need to settle in and just have a good time with it. And luckily, about this point in the episode, 
is where I was able to just kind of settle in and just enjoy it. Yeah, I like the way that their various fittings kind of play into that final battle, that Zero-G fight that we get at the end, which is, I think, the first time we see a Zero-G fight since Cargo of Doom in Season 2. And this one is faster and in a more confined space, and more chaotic in general, and it's where we also see Gascon prove that in spite of his lack of battle experience, he's not lacking in courage because we get these scenes along the way where it's sort of revealed that he hasn't actually been in battle before. He's the kind of cliche of a, the general who's always behind the lines. They call him a map reader as if that's a pejorative at one point. Well, when I say they, I'm obviously talking about Whack. Whack is calling him a map reader, you know, and he's saying, oh, is that all you are? You're just a map reader? And I like but the way that... those droids enjoy that <laughs> you could tell yeah, yeah they sure do but i like the way that what we find at the end is that gascon almost has kind of an arc here he gets to prove that in spite of his lack of battle experience and in spite of his tiny size he's not lacking in courage at all and he repeatedly and fearlessly attacks the massive droid commander auto and i say he's a massive droid commander he's just a regular sized droid commander but when you're as small as gascon like that colonel gascon he has no fear he goes right in there and goes full on the attack and then of course eventually gets the gravity back on and then R2 knocks Auto's head <laughs> off Robbie how did you like this zero G fight and secret weapons yeah I mean from QT KT you know kind of magnetizing all of those yeah those the mines right yeah the mines and then expelling them at the super battle droids and all those I mean it was it's just fun and then and then you got whack over there on the side doing a dog paddle yeah you just have to have fun with it and sometimes Star Wars is about the fun and I think that's I mean what can you say it's just it's just a fun episode R2 falling with style you know yeah it's just a fun time and of course before we get to that zero g fight there's a couple of other things i've noted here one is that the super battle droids are so dumb and so susceptible <laughs> yes. to whack 47's act that it almost seems silly that the republic doesn't use their own droids to neutralize battle droids more often because apparently you just you know name drop general grievous and they'll just do what they're told but also like that whack 47 actually proves along the way to not be as dumb and clueless and maybe oblivious as he seems because once the mission starts we see little touches like he remembers Remembers that C4 was supposed to lock down before discharging his laser cutter. Even though C4 forgets, and even though Gascon doesn't remind C4 that he's supposed to lock down. And we also see that WAC 47 knows that M5BZ should check to see if the Commvault security door control panel was booby trapped before BZ plugged in. And he's the one who comes up with these things. It's not Gascon. So WAC 47 knows one or two things and isn't completely clueless. I like these little touches along the way that he does have some value, even if both times he's a little bit too late to get his warnings out. And the third little note I've got here is that just before that Zero-G fight breaks out, I've never seen R2 put his hands up before. <laughs> yeah. It looked kind of weird and kind of funny, but how did you like seeing R2 with his hands up, Robbie? Oh, it was something, well, April and I were both watching this episode and we both laughed. Because especially years after you've seen it, you just don't remember that kind of stuff. But sure. man, it, it did make us laugh. I mean, and that's the point of this episode. It's supposed to be just a, you know, kind of a goofy fun time. And if there's one moment that's not goofy and fun, that's when BZ gets fried. And it's even less fun and even a little bit sad when they leave poor old BZ laying fried on the ground. And we even see BZ laying there and battle droids walking past and they're basically forgotten. But, of course, on the way out, they pick BZ up and in the end, after the colonel gives Wack his props, Wack even remembers to call him a colonel. After all through the episode, they've been having that joke where he calls yeah. him corporal and at one point captain. And I was assuming all the way through that the payoff to that joke was going to be that the episode would end with Gascon getting the promotion that he'd been planning on counting on at the start. You know, we see that part of his sort of briefing is that 
And then at the end, we come back for my promotion. Right, you know? right. And that's all just part of the plan. It's just assumed. And I thought it was only going to be at that point, once Gascon becomes Brigadier General Gascon, that's when Wack was finally going to call him Colonel. But I was wrong, <laughs> Robbie. The episode totally fooled me, and the payoff wasn't a joke. It was actually kind of a sweet moment of mutual respect. And that moment kind of completed Colonel Gascon's arc as the anti-Krell, because where yeah. Krell from the Umbaran story was massive, and he had a hatred for those different from and ranked lower than him. And that hatred never dissipated. And Gascon doesn't necessarily have hatred for the droids, but he does think of himself as above them, you know, it feels like. You know, at the start of the episode, and, right. you know, opposite to Krell, Gascon is tiny. And opposite to Krell, he basically learns in this episode that those that he was dismissing as beneath him were actually deserving of respect and deserving of being valued. So I thought that was nice, Robbie. Yeah, and it's weird how, uh, and it's something I didn't remember before, was that this is almost done in a way to make you think that this is it. This is a one and done. Yeah. But as I've kind of somewhat spoiled, (laughs) this arc is not over. So it was interesting to see how it plays out with an actual ending and not some sort of, you know goofy cliffhanger it actually works as a singular episode which i really enjoyed like you said there's that arc and i didn't think about that joke about him getting promoted and then <laughs> and then whack 47 finally called him a colonel that would be uh that would be pretty funny but yeah it actually works as a nice standalone episode the only my only issue really with it is that it doesn't feel like r2 gets the focus that i thought he was going to because, I mean, we even start off the episode with a blue Clone Wars logo. Right. You know, in, in honor of R2. So, that's what I was kind of thinking. And was a little, maybe a little disappointed that he didn't get the focus on this episode. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And they really give each of the droids the due. And each of them gets a moment where they get to be the hero. And speaking of moments, Robbie, let's talk about the standout shot in this episode. What was your favorite shot of Secret Weapons? Well, my favorite shot was actually kind of, uh, it was toward the end. I mean, there's a lot of actually well choreographed and well framed shots in this episode. But my favorite one is very simple. It's just their exit from the droid ship. It's a pretty simple shot of the ship. And as the shuttle is departing, it's kind of moving past some of the, the other ships. And it's just a nice, very well composed shot. My shot of the episode is from the opposite end of the episode, Robbie. It's near the start, and it's that shot when Gascon is introduced with all this fanfare by Mace Windu as this great strategist, this great hero of the Republic. And then the door opens, and there's nobody there, Robbie. And then the camera tilts down, and oh, there he is, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> and he's tiny. A classic reveal, a classic kind of, I don't know if bait and switch is even the right word, but it's another one of those moments early in the episode when the writer and the director are telling you, hey, this is what type of episode we're making. If you're into it, stick with us. If you're not, go watch another episode, I guess. And I just thought it was, <laughs> uh, it was a classic kind of handle of a scene we've seen before, but I like the way they did it in this episode. And before we bring this one in for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your third ever watch of Secret Weapons, how did you like it and where does Secret Weapons sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, for me, it's one of those where I think for the completest, yeah, of course, you know, give this episode a a watch. But I think for the uh, person who's, you know, you know, maybe they don't have as much time to, to take in the Clone Wars, I really feel like this can be skipped. But it's I also want to point out that I did enjoy the episode after being able to let myself ease into the episode. So I'm going to give it a not quite recommended, but still pretty respectable 2.8 out of 4. Yeah, the only kind of real head scratcher I had about the episode, apart from thinking that, you know, Wack would have surely been toned down. Although 
we can even think back to 3PO and how 3PO is a lot, you know. He's a lot as a personality, and so maybe it's not out of the ordinary in the Star Wars universe that we get these droids that have a lot of personality. And obviously we've seen in the movies that a lot of the new droids have a ton of personality, and not just in the movies, but of course in The Mandalorian. So, yeah, I was, I guess, fine. That one thing that really maybe undercut the tension was just it seemed a little bit too easy for the droids to get off the ship at the end where they just basically stroll past tons of battle droids during an alert because <laughs> you'd think the alert would at least be that there are astromech droid intruders you know not just general intruders but you know that was a minor thing and i like that there is character development for gascon and even whack kind of i mean wax arc is a little bit simpler and all he really does is remember that gascon's a colonel at the end which you know <laughs> that's about as minor an arc as you can get but it was a sweet moment at the end but gascon comes in with zero battle experience gets his battle experience learns that droids are people too and so that was sweet and i've given this seven brave modified astromex out of ten and i think when I do a rewatch, I'm not going to skip this one. I thought it was fun. A sweet change of pace, a sweet, goofy, comedic episode. I mean, there's even funny stuff with the battle droids, you know, not just the destroyer droids, but when the battle droids board the ship, you know, they're sort of boarding as like a, almost an, <laughs> like a special forces team, you know, doing all the moves and stuff. So yeah, there's a ton of fun stuff in this episode. And so overall, a positive experience, and that's mission accomplished for season five episode 10 secret weapons so robbie if the troops want to tell us how much they love secret weapons what are our communications channels we are bucho and robbie at gmail twitter and instagram that's b-u-c-h-o-a-n-d-r-o-b-b-y yes sir and of course the troops can join us again next time for the 98th episode in the starwars.com clone wars chronology season five episode 11 a sunny day in the void which already, I mean, any title that has void in it, that's got my interest peaked. So I'm looking forward to that one. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.